0: oh he's here call out the guards he's here yeah call everybody call out the militia he's here yes he's here Uh uh-oh what the heck did i do with that now oh fooey. oh man hello there everybody hello my name is Lee Jackson, America's finest watchman. And um, I want to talk to you about a couple things today. Hello, everybody. Hey, what's happening? Okay, there's a show I've been watching on CNBC called Secret Lives of the Super Rich. There's lots of episodes and they have lots of watches in there. I was watching one the other day and they showed a tour of the Patek Philippe factory in, uh, in Geneva. And they were showing, they were working on a $3 million paddock. Most amazing watch did something like 26 functions was a repeater was a perpetual calendar. It was a chronograph. did everything huge piece, gigantic. And it was very ornate. The whole case was carved beautifully like a pocket watch, but even nicer it Had scroll lugs, big round face. And the watch flipped over between the lugs. You could switch it kind of like a reverso, but the entire watch switches to the back, which had more complications on the back. So you have two different faces on this watch and it was $3 million. And they were showing how it could take years to make one watch. And they were showing the Paddock factory how everything is so airtight and clean that they all have to wear clean suits, including the owner of the entire company. When he walks in there, he has to wear a clean suit also. They also showed, um, there's some really interesting things on the show anyhow. I mean, they're showing penthouses in like Miami that have, you can bring your car upstairs with you. It goes up in its own elevator and sits up there. And they were showing people having, home theaters, and areas just for their watches. Million-dollar watches, and they're all in winders in their own little section. You should really watch the show. It's got lots of watch stuff in there. Really cool. And I did want to bring up the fact that, um, you know, you can look at these million-dollar watches and so on, and that is never where I have been in that space. I never really wanted to go real expensive like that. First of all, <clears throat> when you're on TV, you could take a big hit. If somebody buys one of those huge watches and then doesn't like it, it could really hurt you when they send it back because you got to pay for all the returns. So I didn't like that idea very much. Um, most expensive watches, I think, were in the twenty to forty thousand dollar range I've sold. Like super presidents, diamond covered things. Um Yes, I have the brands that are in that you know, in that stratosphere up there, but that doesn't mean I'm going to sell them just because I have them or can get them. Too expensive. It's too much of a risk. I used to have people all the time asking me for Rolexes. They'd always be asking for Daytonas. And then when I would say, okay, fine, I'll get a Daytona, I'd get it up and I had to get X amount of dollars. No one would buy it. They didn't want to pay that price. They figured if I got it, They'd get it so cheap that they'd be fighting over it. But that's not the market on Daytonas. You can't get them. It's even much worse now. But it was bad back then. Daytonas are going for huge money. And I was never really part of that crowd, to tell you the God's honest. That wasn't my niche. You know, I like the idea of uh, carrying like a Richard Mealy on your wrist, but you don't have to buy a $500,000 one. you could buy a 5,000 or 10,000. So you still get the name, but you don't have the super, super expensive. And besides the fact, when you wear something, if you saw this paddock that was in that show for 3 million, that thing stands out. Like you cannot believe you could not walk down the street with some, without somebody running up to you saying, let me see this. I can't believe it. It was that amazing. And it stood out from a distance. And do you want to bring that kind of attention to yourself? Because I don't know where you live, but I've seen in areas where they are hitting people over the head to get their watch. There was one in Beverly Hills where a guy had a Richard Mealy on his wrist. The guy was a dealer. It was worth like a half a million dollars. And a bunch of guys came in and started shooting up the place. He was sitting outside having lunch and they took it right off his wrist. And they knew exactly what they were going for. You know, I was just reading again about, uh, there was a guy on a freeway that got hit. This is during the day he got hit on the freeway and pulled over. And the guy who hit him their people jumped out of the car with guns and the whole thing. And they robbed him. And it turned out he was a jewelry dealer from uh, India. And they know these people. know. I've told you these stories before. This happened many, many, many times where you go to these watch shows or jewelry shows and they case it and they follow one of the people and then rob them when they leave. And I've seen it happen. So you got to decide how strong do you want to wear a watch? I mean, how gaudy can you get away with before somebody goes, Hey, I think I like that. I think I want to take that off his wrist. Um, yeah. I mean, I've had it happen to me. I've been robbed. I've had watches taken from me. It's not fun. And I really don't want to be there again. So you'll never see me wearing a Rolex with a gold bracelet or any watch with a gold bracelet. No, thank you. Never again. Not going to give somebody the opportunity. Okay. So I really wanted you guys and gals to look at that show. I think it's really, really worthwhile because you get to look at things in their regular environment that you normally wouldn't get to see. And I think it's really significant. So that was part of what I wanted to talk about was that show. Cause every time I watch it, I start seeing all this stuff going, how come nobody's watching this? How come nobody knows this is for watch people to watch this show. Very cool. And believe me when I tell you, when you see watches on that show, it's high end stuff. It's not lower or middle. It's high, high, high end. Very expensive. These places. you should see how much these places are going for 20 million, 40 million, 80 million. And they can, they think of stuff that these kind of people would want and they include it in the condo or house so that it will sell easier. Isn't that wild? And we get a look at it all. Doesn't mean you're going to live there or I'm going to live there, but it sure means that we can look at it and we can take notes and we can learn something especially you can figure out what they want and how they treat their watches and you know what they use them for. Like there was one guy I was watching on the show and he's got cars, unbelievable collection of cars, this guy. And is it a big change from a guy like that from cars to watches? Not really. They're pretty similar. There's another show I like to watch uh, with this guy, David Granger. And I'm trying to think of the name of it. And he's in Canada and he restores cars. He has a big, big place up there called the Guild of Automotive Restores. And there were a few episodes I watched season eight, I think, where he got into watches, this guy. He's mechanically inclined. And there was a whole section of one of these shows, because I like car shows, by the way, if you haven't figured that out. I like cars too. And he starts telling how he got into watches and he started taking them apart. And he started fixing them and he got into it big time. And he said, it's just like a car, except it's a lot smaller, a lot, lot a lot different yet. It's similar and it is <clears throat> restoring a car, restoring a watch are not that far, not that different, harder to restore a car than a watch. If you can get parts and we've talked about this, it's one of the biggest problems with watches today. Ricky's always complaining about getting parts. He said, You can't get the parts. They won't let them out. So used parts that are on uh online, those are doing big business. Another guy I talked to last week in the watch business told me that nothing is selling right now except Rolex. He goes, Rolex, the minute you say the name, boom, sold. So Rolex is only getting stronger, and Rolex is only tightening their grip on the market because Everybody knows what a Rolex is. Most people don't know what an Audemars or a Vacheron or a paddock is or an IWC and so on. But if you mention the name Rolex, they know exactly what it is. When I started doing watch shows, I was doing more vintage with summer, a little bit of high end. And I throw a Rolex in, excuse me. And the place went nuts. And people said, we want more, we want more. And they wanted more Rolex, 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 Rolex. They want them and they want them for a good price because you can't get them. Another guy I talked to who has a watch repair store told me that he got kicked out of Rolex because he was selling Rolexes below their list price for people, getting them a discount. Rolex found out about it, kicked him right out. No more Rolex. And they will. I've told you that. somebody discounts a rolex we're not talking about used. we're talking about new if somebody discounts a new rolex they're done as soon as rolex finds out about it you're done end of story bye-bye they won't go for it so he was complaining about it too that uh nothing is selling but rolex and yet he can't get the parts anymore he can't get anything because rolex kicked him out And my old watchmaker, same thing happened to them. They're trying to narrow it down and tighten up who gets parts, who can sell Rolexes. They're very, very particular. And what they're trying to do is hold the value. They don't want things getting out cheap. There's no such thing as a closeout on a Rolex. Yet I used to get closeouts on so many other brands. You know, if they made, for example, 100 and sold 80, and they got 20 left, it's called a closeout. If they want to get rid of it, if they want to wait it out, they can. Rolex will wait it out. They don't care because their watches don't change very much, but other brands that are trying to keep up, they keep um, updating their watches. So the old ones get old and they want to get rid of them and they go out of clearance. That's how I found all kinds of great stuff, but you're not going to find Paddocks on clearance or Vacheron's on clearance or Audemars. No, but you will find or used to things like Ebel, Bomb Mercier, Some of the really good but off brands used to do a lot of closeouts. eBay did a lot. There used to be a lot of Ebels on closeout and Chamey's, which is a great price. I told you, I almost bought a Chamey Diver's Watch. Came really close. But when I asked them for a discount, they told me to pound sand. I said, no problem. See you later. That was it. Not interested. Thank you for nothing. Goodbye. And you can't be afraid to ask what's the worst I can say. No. Yes. You could piss them off. There are people that get pissed. They don't want you to discount anything or offer them anything. And they get mad. It's like, oh, well, if you're going to be that thin skinned, you better get out. Because in this world. You got to have a little tougher skin. You got to be able to take rejection and negative and be able to turn it around and do something with it that helps you, not them. So I always say, look for the honey hole, look for the good place you can find stuff. And then I was reading in the, uh, in the paper today. Let me pull it up while we're talking. Um, Remember we talked about this timepiece, gentleman, idiot, idiot. Somebody brought it up to me and I looked it all up and I checked the guy out. Yada, 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 Um. Well, you know, I said after I checked into this guy, I went, you know what? I knew a lot of people like this guy, a real hotshot thinks he's it living a lavish lifestyle, rubbing in everybody's face. Great. And he was taking pieces and doing a Ponzi scheme. And yet he said he wasn't. And then later on he admitted to it. Yada, yada, yada. You know, and I didn't really want to get into this because I don't know the guy, but I know what he's all about. I can tell just listening to what people say. and looking at the guy. He's one of these smart ass guys, you know, knows it all guy you want to run away from. I don't want to deal with people like that, but yet he wouldn't deal with me because I'm not going to buy the stuff that he's got it's really expensive stuff. And when you start messing around with that stuff, you're playing with fire. Cause like I told you taking it back, if it's on a credit card, you got to pay a lot of money to return it. And, um, some of these companies make it very difficult, not on the consumer put on the dealer. For example, I had a, a guy I used to be pretty good friends with in the watch business and I used to buy from him and sell to him. And he had a store in Beverly Hills and he would get people come in from out of town and they'd buy real expensive stuff and they'd give him American Express or a credit card, mm-hmm. usually, usually Amex. And Amex would say, yeah, it's good. And he'd sell them the piece and out they'd go. And then Amex, a few days later, would come back and go, no, it's no good. And the watch has already left the building. So what do you do? So he was getting that a lot. And I had a few problems like that, too, where people would buy from me on TV and then you'd send it out and it turned out it was no good. Because initially, when you get a credit card, you have to verify it that it's good and they'll verify it, but they won't give you the final verification if it's going to go bad for a couple of days. So I instituted what was called a three day hold on new clients. And what that was, was <clears throat> if you bought something and gave us a credit card, you'd have to wait three days for us to ship because within that three days, if it turns out the credit card is bad, it'll pop up in three, within three days. And I had that happen to me where I sold a really expensive gold Rolex, And it turned out the thing was phony after I had shipped it out and I tried to stop it. Couldn't stop it at all. And it got delivered to a empty lot and lost it. So after that fiasco, (coughs) excuse me, after that fiasco I instituted a three day hold on everything where nothing went out in the first three days. If you were a new customer, if you were established, no problem, go out right away. And that's what this guy that I used to deal with, In Beverly Hills used to do too. He would say, no, I'm sorry. You can't take the watch. Wait a couple days, come back and get it. And he probably lost business, but who cares? It was fake anyhow. The business was no good to begin with. So what the hell did you lose? Nothing. And it's sad because they're always trying to take advantage of you. Everybody in this world is. It's really sad. You know, I get these calls all day long, fake calls, this and that. You know, I had one yesterday, Google. I said goodbye, hung up on them. I mean, why don't they stop this? Why do we have to be attacked everywhere you go, everything you do by people trying to put their frigging hand in your pocket and get to your wallet? Why is it, I mean, we pay all these taxes. Why don't they do something, you know? But if you lose your money and you can't pay our taxes, they don't care. So I think it's kind of every man for himself when it comes to these things, but it's just really debilitating because you're always fighting against all these idiots and you think it's stupid. You know, like I see some of these scams and go "How stupid, but let me tell you something. They wouldn't keep doing it if people weren't falling for it and they're going to continue to do it one way. If one way doesn't work, they pop up somewhere else, do it a different way. They don't care. Their whole, their whole lot in life is to rip you off. I had one where they called me from, uh, what was it? Amazon or I think it was Amazon. And they said, Oh, somebody charged an iPhone on your account. And I went, what? And I really thought it was real. And what they tried to do was try to get these, uh, I guess, gift certificates that they can run off with gift cards or something. And they had everything nailed down to a science. When I asked a question like, you know, if you're with Amazon, how do I get hold of you? No, oh, we have to go through da, 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 Here's the number. I mean, they had it all nailed and it really sound real sounded real until I finally figured out this cannot be real. So my answer to all these things, if you're concerned, which you should be is call the real company. Or don't talk to these people. You know, a lot of it's fake. It's like they're coming after you. And with and when you're talking about watches and you're with like this timepiece gentleman, I got to read you about him. Um, you're screwed. All right. So here's the new story that came out today. And does this surprise me? No. Beverly Hills luxury watch dealer arrested by FBI and alleged Ponzi scheme. A Beverly Hills luxury watch dealer accused of stealing people's pricey timepieces was arrested by the FBI following a report in the Times detailing the allegations of theft against the dealer. Anthony Ferrer was charged with mail fraud, wire fraud over his alleged consignment scheme. The businessman who ran a watch company called the Timepiece Gentleman told potential clients he would sell their watches, take a commission, but kept all the money. Rather than selling the watches, remitting the funds back to the watch owners... He sold the watches and kept the money for himself, wrote Justin Palmerton, FBI agent, in an affidavit filed Monday in U.S. District Court in the Central District of California. If convicted, Ferrer faces up to 20 years in prison and is currently being held at the Metropolitan Detention Center. His next court date is December 14th. He stole at least $3 million from 20 victims. One man lost his life savings. All the while, Ferrer lived a life of luxury, buying high-end cars, spending tens of thousands of dollars on a single meal, renting one of those expensive apartments in Los Angeles, all of which he flaunted on social media sites such as TikTok. He posted about his exploits, eventually admitting to using people's watches to pay off debts. He confessed to running a Ponzi sk- 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 scheme, and he almost does not seem to understand it said Chad Plebo, who helped put victims in touch with the FBI. It's such a bizarre, weird story. Ferrer posted on social media about his debts in August, admitting what he did was wrong. Spending people's money, living above my means, I've been digging myself a $5 million hole. About $3 million of that debt is to two big clients, who acted, one acted as an investor and used his money. Seven people said they had given fair rare watches worth between 10000 and well over 100000 only to have the timepieces disappear. One of the seven alleged victims has a pending lawsuit against Ferrer over the issue. An eighth person who sued did not speak with us. Asked whether he was worried about going to prison for all his alleged actions. He said he couldn't focus on that. If I do, I do. If I don't, I don't. I mean, what kind of guy is this? He was raised in Texas, started his own company in 2017 before moving to downtown L.A. He had his own reality show called South Hill, which he published on YouTube. People trusted him in this space because he had a social media following. Said John Buckley, a luxury watch dealer, runs a business called Tuscany Rose. So there you go. Another one bites the dust. It's just like when you see these commercials on TV for weight loss things. And they have all these people that go, yeah, I lost all this weight. It's fantastic. It's this, it's that. I know within a year or less, it's going to be a scam. They're going to come up and say, oh, it's a scam. We put that person in jail. It's happened so many times. And every time I see these things, they look very, very real and very, very good. So watch out, baby. Watch out. You need to have a really good person that you deal with. Who's not some fly by night just popped up. I mean, what the, Hey, I got 30 years in this business. I got 50 over 50 as a collector over. Yeah, I was collecting in the sixties, not big. I got bigger in the seventies and eighties, but still, I was still collecting back then. So, um, the moral to the story is be really careful with your money trying to think if I ever got burned like that. No. Yeah, I guess I did. I dealt with a, I dealt with a real creep. I mean, I've dealt with some real creepy people before, but I'm very cautious. Um, and I make it really clear when they deal with people, look, I'm not going to beat you over that. I'm not going to do any of that, but you got to be straight with me too. And what I learned over the years is most of these people in the business are not straight. They really aren't you got to be careful. I'm not going to tell you they're all crooks because they're not, but but they still have their own interests at heart. And when you find somebody, like when I tell you that I got the guy in Japan I liked, there's a guy in Hawaii I liked, they came through and did what they said they're going to do. Now, can they go bad? Sure. They sure can. You're only as good as your last sale. You've got to be really careful with these people make sure what you're getting is the real deal. I mean, it's really bad. Okay. So the other thing I want to talk about today was I want to talk about a couple books. I think we're going to do a review of at least one book. Let me get it. Hold on one second. Okay. So the book I want to go over is called wristwatches, a handbook and price guide. It's, uh, been around it's from Schiffer publishing company, which is a niche publisher. And this was published in 19, 1993. So this is 30 years old now. So any prices in here, ignore because they're 30 years out of date, but you're talking about an eight and a half by 11. It's like a, almost like a paperback, but it's hard. The pages are thick. It's not like cheap paper. It's like a regular book, but it's paperback style. And they go over a lot about watches. They talk about all the different records that Rolex has made and all the different things that have come along in horology that have changed the face of horology over the years, like thin and automatics and all that. They talk about how stuff works. They explain it to you. It's a really good book. Um, it's wristwatches by G- Gisbert Bruner and Christian Pfeiffer belly, a handbook and price guide, black cover, and kind of a lavender with three watches on the cover. And, uh, I want to give you the ISBN number if I can get it. Here it is. Okay. So I'm going to give you the ISBN number. Hold on one sec. I got to get my glasses <clears throat> so I can read it. ISBN is 0 887 And it was, I think, a $20 book in its day, but it's really good. It's got a lot of fantastic things. It goes over um, important wristwatch terms that are really good to know. I mean, these are the things we as collectors should know, but we don't. A lot of this goes over watchmaking firms, talks about some you've never heard of, like Lafar and I mean, there's some really interesting pieces in here. Glass chute, Lafar, uh, quorum is mentioned, which I don't find. Excelsior Park, Eterna, Longines. And yet, you know, the biggies are in here too Rolex and so on. Minerva's in here. And I don't know if you remember, Zenith. Minerva has turned into, um, Um, I got to think about it. What's the name of that watch now? Oh, come on. My brain doesn't work like it used to. Uh, the pen come Montblanc. That's what it is. Minerva is Montblanc watches, believe it or not. They're Minerva, which was a good maker of watches. So their watches are actually pretty good because in the old days I've had cross the pen company decided to bring out watches they were okay they weren't great good they weren't real expensive they were okay you know like um gold filled and so on they weren't like solid gold and some other uh pen companies have come out with watches and most of them are just a name slapped on a watch there's no care there's nothing and minerva is a good watch company so when you take mont blanc and merge them with minerva now the Mont Blanc watch company is actually Minerva, which is good. You've actually got something because when I started looking at Mont Blancs, I was looking at the prices going, what the hell? Why are they so expensive? And, um, that's pretty interesting. Okay. They have a, they have a chapter on preservation care and repair watches, fakes, knockoffs, hybrids. Then they go into watches and their prices very interesting now remember again this is 30 years ago so prices you really can't go through um they have museums listed they have all over the world They have different companies museums you can go to and find out watches and watch markets the pictures are excellent they're in color they're really nice and these watches have not changed even though this is 30 years old it doesn't matter they haven't changed it's very cool. And they have some pictures of some really good ones. It's really interesting. Like they have a section on early watches. So I would recommend you get this book and take a look at it. And we are out of time. America's Finest Watchman. Don't forget, follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, X, whatever the hell he's calling it now. Uh, LeeJacksonWatches at gmail.com. My new list still has not come out, so don't get too excited. I wish... I wish you the best. Okay, everybody, thank you for listening. Have a great one. Don't forget, drop me a line. Let me know how you be and I'll see you later. Ciao.